Okay, Shalom Abracha friends, thank you so, so much for joining our shir. Besiyata Deshmaya in Sichas Haran, Sicha Nun Aleph, the 51st Sicha. Like we've been building up the excitement over the past couple of sessions, certainly last week we spoke about the incredible, incredible nature of Sicha Nun Aleph, perhaps the most foundational of all of Rabbi Nachman's teachings, particularly in Sicha Saran, there's something very, very special. There's something very special about this sicha. It's a pretty lengthy sicha. And more than the length, it's split into a lot of different shorter teachings that all just sort of come together in this kaleidoscope of guidance, kaleidoscope of etzah, kaleidoscope of clarity, vishavadas, that Rabbi Nachman is giving us in all of his teachings. This is like, a, like a, an energy center, like a headquarters for so many of the ideas that we learn peripherally from engaging in other of Rabbi Nachman's teachings, over here it all comes together in an amazing, amazing, amazing way. So instead of going ahead and learning the whole thing through, the Siyat Rishmaya, we're going to take it piece by piece, step by step. Tonight we're only learning one line. Mamish, one line, just the opening line. And then Be'ez Hashem, in the coming weeks, we're going to try to unpack section by section to really open our hearts to this incredible influx of, of depth and of clarity and of, and of really basic, sounds simple, but ultimate, ultimate guidance that Rabbi Nachman is giving to all of us. Interestingly enough, Sichonun Aleph was given over on a Shavuos night. It was a Shavuos night while they were all sitting around and learning all the Hasidim. Uth Rabbi Nachman were up the whole night, the way that the Zara Kaddish talks about what Shavuos night is and the tikkunim that are taking place. It's mavil al It's just unbelievable to imagine what's taking place as Am Yisrael, the Kala, the bride, are preparing for that incredible yichud of Shavuos morning when Kutshabrich and Shchinte, right, when a Kaddish Baruch whose transcendent element unites with the imminent element, the potential for godliness in the world, and there's a, there's a yichud that takes place. And so it was in this moment of preparation that Rabbi Nachman delivers Sicha Nun Aleph to go ahead and really gift Am Yisrael with the right method that they're going to need in preparing for this yichud, both on Shavuos, but throughout our lives, day to day, to prepare ourselves for that yichud, for that intimate connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and to maximize our lives in the way that the tzaddik is able to guide us to do uniquely. B'siyata Deshmaya, okay? Recording in progress. So B'siyata Deshmaya, without further ado, let's jump in to Sicha Nun Aleph. We're going to learn a few teachings from this Sicha, like I mentioned over the next couple of weeks tonight, we're starting just with the first line, and that will come along with a lot of other teachings that we're going to see from Rabbi Nachman, from Rabbi Nassim. There's a lot to do, all and with great gratitude to each of you for joining us tonight, with the help of the Master of the World. And so we begin the journey of Sicha Nun Aleph. This is part one. Rabbi Nachman begins, Ha'oylam hazeh klum. This world is, is nothing. Klum. Rak, the only import that this world and that this worldly experience has is limshaych el atachlis hanitzri. Which literally translated means limshaych to be drawn toward el atachlis hanitzri, the ultimate 
purpose, the ultimate goal. It's an interesting terminology, usage of words. More plainly, Rabbi Nachman could have said, to be drawn toward. Just let us know that the tachlis hanitzchi is the most important thing, that this world is nothing, but olam haba, or the tachlis, that realm that's described in the Pasuk that we say at the end of Aleinu, like the Gemara tells us, the Gemara asks, today Hashem is not one, it says on that day, Hashem will be one and His name will be one. And of course the Gemara answers that in this world, in our current experience, we experience good things and we experience things that appear to be negative. And we have two different brachas that we make on those di diverse experiences. When good things happen, we're making a baracha toiv ha'metiv. And when chas v'shalom, we hear negative news, we're making a baracha da'ina emes. But la'asid lavoy ba'yoyma hu yiyah Hashem echad u'shmoy echad. We're going to, for the first time, catch a glimpse of the other side of the tapestry where all those unseemly tangled knots were all the while going ahead and being woven on the other side into a glorious, glorious mural that right now we don't have the capacity to see and we're not able to perceive. So let us know that the Tachlis Hanitzchi, that period of time, is not klum, is not nothing, like Olam Hazet is. Rabbi Nachman uses this very interesting terminology as sort of an opening statement that's going to qualify everything that follows. It's sort of the premise for all of the lucid clarity that we're going to be delving into Be'ezer Hashem. Just no, you know, long journeys, just shortcut right to the depth of MS. Brutally honest, plainly clear, seemingly simplistic, but ultimately building a foundation upon which we can go ahead and construct the structure of our relationship with Hashem and a healthy engagement with Havoda, with Torah and Kamilas Chasadim. This is the opening salvo. And with these interesting words again, Rak Limshoich, Rak only Limshoich, to be drawn toward El Hatachlis Hanitzchi the ultimate tachlis, the ultimate purpose. B'chaz Hashem, Rabbi Nachman has a Torah about this concept of Meshicha, this concept of being pulled. And what insight can we learn from Rabbi Nachman's teaching on this concept that the Rebbe is weaving into this first opening premise, this gateway into the Sicha, Sicha Nun Aleph, that he gives over on Shavuos night while Am Yisrael is preparing for that ultimate Yichud that happens on Shavuos but it's supposed to occur in some level and in some measure in each of our lives each and every day. So let's dive into that Torah together. It's a little bit of a longer lesson, but this is really the premise. This is the foundation of that Torah. Rabbi Nachman says like this, I believe I have two, two shiurim on, on Torah Ayin as well. Says the Amen. What is chus to learn his words with you? What a privilege. And the Rebbe says like this, We find that everything is on the ground. Everything is on the earth. Everything is on the earth. One second. Everything is on the earth. Like we see with our eyes. Everything is founded on the ground. First and foremost, everything grows from the ground. So everything sprouts from the ground that we see growing. 
We see that every person and every animal walks on the ground. It's impossible for them to become detached and removed from the ground. Unless there was some force, an unnatural force, as we're going to see, that compels them away from the earth. And so if you think of it, obviously all of us are familiar with the concept of gravity and gravitational pulls, and that would be why everything is munach ala arts, everything is placed on the earth. But think of anything that's not on the earth, and in each and every case you're going to, you're going to find that there's some force that's invested within it that enables it to be distant from the earth. Airplanes. Airplanes are not naturally flying through the sky. They are extremely heavy and their natural state is to be very much on the earth. But they have engines and they have this kind of build that enables the wind to catch them in just the right place, aerodynamics to allow them to soar through the, through the, uh, through the atmosphere. If we find that a baseball or a football or a basketball is flying through the air, that's not its natural state. It means that there was a certain amount of energy, momentum invested within it through an external force. We talked about throwing. Remember we talked about uh, the last, um, I don't know if it was last year, maybe two years ago, we spoke about the higher up on the human being, on the body, the further things are able to reach. Remember we spoke about that? With my foot, I can fling something so far. With my hand, I could throw it that much further. With my mouth, I can scream across a great distance. With my ears, I can hear something that comes from a greater distance than that. With my eyes, I can see to phenomenally tremendous distances. We can see the sun. And with our minds, we can travel into worlds that don't even yet exist. Anytime we see something flying through the air that's not its natural state, means to say something compelled it, something cast it, something threw it. Naturally, things that have some measure of mass, naturally, unless it's something super light, air, uh, balloons, and so on and so forth, things that have mass naturally, even then, it's the oxygen, it's the, it's the air that's lifting the balloon. The balloon itself falls, right? If you pop it, it falls down. Everything naturally is on the earth. Unless it's being compelled out of that natural state by a, what he calls a an energy that's forcing it away. Skipping some words over here. I don't know what's going on. It's, it's missing some words. Through somebody who picks it up and throws it, right? Now, in, is in, in accordance with the nature of the force that's compelling this thing away from the gravitational field, that's how distant it's going to go, or that's how far it's going to travel, that's how long it's going to be able to maintain this state, this unnatural state of being distant from the earth. Ah, so that's what happened. It, it skipped a line. It should say, right? I mean, it goes to the next line. Okay, it was, it was a, a mix-up. But start from the word va'achar and go to the next line. When that force ceases, 
naturally, naturally, which just fall right back down to the earth. For example, if a person takes a stone or he takes some sort of item, object, and throws it up. As through the force that he invests within this action, it forces it away from the earth. In accordance with how much strength the person puts into that action, that's how far this thing's going to travel up and away. But again, when that runs out, Meaning, when that force that we invested within this action runs out, what naturally happens? That will fall. That the engines on a plane that certainly nobody is driving and nobody is on, but on a test plane. If the engines run out, the plane falls. If the balloon pops, it falls down, right? After the baseball you know, utilizes all the strength that was placed into it, either through the hit or through the throw, it falls back to the earth. And the reason for this is, is because the earth has what Rabbi Nachman calls the power of pulling, the gravitational pull. And therefore it pulls everything gravitationally toward it. If the earth didn't have this energy, we wouldn't be able to exist at all. Everybody would just fall right off. Everything would just would just fall. Can you imagine if that shut off? I think the first thing actually scientifically that would happen is your ears would burst because the atmospheric pressures need to be held just perfect so that we can function. We're not even aware of what a precarious situation living is. If one thing were off, we're finished. Certainly something as elemental and foundational as gravity, everything would fall away. Nothing would be held together in the way that it is now, like space needs a whole different kind of preparation to live in such an environment. Machmashi kaduris, because the earth is round. Rabbi Nachman was not a flat earther, I guess. Machmashi, or conspiracy theories. Machmashi kaduris, because the world is round. And everybody stands around the world, which is why in one place it's dark, in the other place it's light. It's just that it has this incredible power to pull things toward it. When that force runs out, and when that thing falls once more to the earth, like we know about momentum, right? The closer that it gets to the earth after falling from a very high place, if a person would get hit on the head with a quarter that's dropped from the top of the Empire State Building, but he had his head stuck out of the, you know, the, the floor right under the roof, it hurts that much. But if a person, Rahman al-Islam, is hit with something that's dropped from a phenomenally t- a tall place, it's, and he's all the way, all the way standing on the bottom of the building, it's going to hurt that much more because the quicker, the, the, the closer it gets to that gravitational pull, the more speed that it picks up. It's getting further and further into the field of gravity and it's picking up speed. And it's falling quicker. So why is Rabbi Nachman giving us a science lesson? What does he mean to be telling us? What does this mean for you and I? What are the symbols here? We know that this is a scientific truth. Says Rabbi Nachman, because the earth is symbolic 
of Vitsadik Yesoid Oilam, says Rabbi Nachman. Vitsadik Yesoid Oilam. Just like the earth has gravity, so too the tzaddik has gravity. Because the tzaddik is referred to as the yesoid oilam, the foundation of the earth, which is afar, which is the primary foundation which the esh, mayim, and ruach are able to come down within, bind themselves together, manifest within the realm of earth, within the element of earth, and then become everything in the world. It's the first three letters of yud, ke, vav, and then the final he. He says, Rabbi Nachman, the tzaddik is the Yisoyed Oilam. And everything. Because the tzaddik is the element of earth. The tzaddik, like we said, is the foundation of the earth. Again, switched around. Go back to the beginning. Like the Pasuk says, And everything stands on him. Everything depends on the tzaddik. And the tzaddik therefore has this, not physically necessarily, but this gravitational pull that pulls things toward him. And the Rebbe continues to say that the tzaddik is only emblematic of Kedusha. It's not the tzaddik's own gravity. That's Kfirah that the tzaddik has a gravitational pull, that the tzaddik wants to pull everything toward him. No, that's, that's the opposite of what the tzaddik does. The tzaddik's earthiness, and therefore his gravity, actually is manifest in the Pasuk, where Avram Avinu says, which means that Avram Avinu is saying, I, like the earth, have a gravitational pull, but not in a way of yeshus, of arrogance, to pull things toward him, but in that very Pasuk, where the gravitational pull of the Tzaddik is referenced, it's a Pasuk about humility, the ultimate humility. That's what Avram Avinu meant. And Adarabah, it's specifically because of the Tzaddik's great humility, where he's batul where he ceases to exist on his own, that the Koach HaMoshech of Kiddusha, of Hashem, is able to manifest through him. So it's exactly the opposite. That tzaddik has gravity, kiviachal, but not in such a way that he's a yesh, that he's a yesod on his own, pulling everything toward him. On the contrary, to the extent that the tzaddik is battle, to the sense, to the extent that the tzaddik nullifies himself, to the yesod of emes in the world, to the yesod of of of. The truth of Kedusha, the truth of that world of the Tachlis, of Lasid Lavo, of the world of truth that we're going to be talking about now, Be'ezer Hashem, for the next few weeks, in the context of Torah and Aleph, but Asichon and Aleph, but really that we speak about all the time. It's all we speak about here in this year. To the extent that the Tzaddik can nullify himself to that, in the Bechina of, Anoichi Afar Ve'efer makes himself low, to that extent. He's going then to be able to channel the vacuum suction gravity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that naturally draws things toward Him. Because that is the natural state of the created world is to be drawn toward HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This that we're not drawn toward HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this that we find it so difficult to do so is because there's a koach hamachriach upon us. That's why. It's because there's a force that's compelling us, that's pushing us, that's, that's casting us away. But that's not our natural state. This is very deep. It's not, it's, it's very deep. And that's why we need Rabbi Nachman's muscle of the 
this whole science lesson of gravity, but things can be outside the field of gravity only in as much as they're pushed. What's the essential difference? Sometimes it can look, sometimes it can look like what? Sometimes it can look like the Koach HaMachriach is much more powerful than the Koach HaMoshech. I ask you, what's more powerful? The natural pull and draw of gravity? Or the torque, I don't know exactly what the proper terminology is, in a rocket ship that's blasting off with incredible, incredible energy. And the answer, of course, seems to be the rocket ship. Extremely powerful. Extremely, extremely powerful. The velocity at which the rocket is being propelled toward outer space is far more than the gravity that pulls me down when I jump up a little bit, right? Seems far more powerful. But the truth is, is that look beyond the moment and the way that things look in this snapshot of our current experience and realize the essential difference between the Koach HaMoshech and the Koach HaMachriach, which is natural versus unnatural. And this is super important because something that's unnatural, it may look very powerful in the beginning. And the Yetzirah seems like he has the head start. And the Yetzirah is the sin is crouching at the opening right away when we're born. He seems to have 13 years of a head start, of a pull. And we feel so much more drawn to negativity. And it's so much harder to get excited about learning than we get excited about a show. It, it's so much more difficult it's so much easier to enjoy this world than to enjoy Ruchnias. So from a this-worldly standpoint, on the contrary, the Koach HaMachriach looks that much more powerful. But when something's unnatural, that means that it's only going to last so long. And at the moment that that unnatural state ends and ceases, which it must because it's unnatural and unnatural things don't last forever, at that very moment, it's back into the natural flow of the gravitational pull of holiness and things will then become pulled right back into their natural state that they essentially want to go in and always ever wanted to go. And this is the gravitational pull of holiness that asserts itself upon everything in creation. The natural world, the nations of the world, certainly the Jewish nation and the Jewish individual. That's our natural state. Tshuva is natural. Chapter 1 in the story of our lives makes it very clear that tshuva is not an unnatural distortion of who I am, that I have to start living in a way that I really don't want to live at all, but I'm afraid of punishment, or I know that really this is what I should be doing and I don't want to deal with the guilt, but I feel that it's unnatural. This is not enjoyable. This is not my natural state. That's not what tshuva is. That's, a, that's itself a distortion. There is nothing more natural to the Jewish soul than tshuva. There's nothing more natural than once again joining the stream of the Koach HaMoshech by letting go of the energy that's compelling us away Powerful as it may appear, look at things more broadly. Look beyond that. It's unnatural. And our natural state is the draw of Kedusha that manifests itself through the Tzaddik who pulls us to him and through him. And that's the ultimate. Through him to the master of the world. Never to get caught up with the Tzaddik and that our whole Yiddishkeit becomes about the Tzaddik. No. Through him. That Sadiq is only manifesting that gravity in as much as he is afar ve'efer. 
a Moshe Rabbeinu, or Shimon Bar Yochai, or Rabbi Nachman, who didn't exist in and of themselves, who served to be just Megalik Foydiyaz Baruch and wanted that and nothing more. To draw people to him for the purpose of then suctioning him, them through him, Kibiachal, and to the true Koach HaMoshech, which is Kedusha, which is the master of the world. Returning back to this opening sentence from Rabbi Nachman, Ha'olam hazeh this world, meaning to say physicality, meaning to say externality, that realm that we can perceive with our eyes and touch with our hands and smell with our nose and hear with our ears, perceptibility, this world around us that we get very used to from a very young age. It's nothing. What do you mean it's nothing? What do you mean it's, it's everything. It's very powerful, sometimes far more powerful than our tendency to desire Kedusha. Says Rabbi Nachman, it's an illusion. Why? Why is it an illusion? It's an illusion in relation to the next four words in the sentence. Rak limshoich, or the next five words. Rak limshoich el hatachlis hanitzchi. When we understand that the Olam Azeh that seems to be pulling us is in fact not pulling us. It's pushing us unnaturally away from our natural state of Dvekas and Hashem, of wanting nothing more than to service our mission, which is the mission of the collective Jewish nation of which each and, each and every one of us are sparks. To reveal godliness in the world, to develop a spiritually oriented consciousness, to look deeper at things, process things more deeply, become elevated beings, that are sharing creativity, goodness in the world, not for us, but because we're trying to channel this collective mission of the Jewish nation. Then our ilma in a klum. Rak limshach elatachlis hanitzki. That's all unnatural in relation to rak limshach elatachlis hanitzki. To the koach hamoshech. To the natural draw upon us to come closer to the master of the world and to start living already now in a way that channels that tachlis hanitzchi, in a way that channels that realm like we described by Yoimahu Yashem Echad Ushmoi Echad, that realm of oneness, of unity, of clarity, to be able to perceive Hashem in everything, to be able to go with emuna even when things are difficult and challenging. Adarab, the emunas It's in the nighttime. It's in the darkness. It's in the challenge. It's in the unfathomability. It's in the, 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 the despair that sometimes washes over us like a black wave. That we're able to manifest our emuna and all those lessons that we learn which sound very nice when the sun is shining. But the question is, can we implement them in the dark? And that's part of the human experience. Nobody promised us it was going to be a free, fun, clear ride. It's more surprising when things go right than when they go wrong. And this is not a pessimistic outlook. I think it's a very realistic outlook that on the contrary can enable us to become that much more optimistic about all the things in our lives that go right. Because there's a great deal of things that go right, but they shouldn't. They really shouldn't. And they go right despite the fact that Adam la'amal yula, that we were born into this world to seek discomfort and to experience discomfort. But I'll call upon him when we're able to manifest that emuna, rak that ultimate being drawn to the tachlis, then in relation to that, ha'olam hazeh in a klum, in relation to the natural state 
where all we want is to be pressed up against the master of the world and just to stay there, being warmed by that infinite light, by that infinite love, by that infinite acceptability and understanding. And to allow that light to illuminate every dark crevice of our being, that light of truth, things as they are, Shabbos, Shabbos Kodesh. In relation to that, it's all unnatural. It's nothing. Now, it's with this consciousness that Rabbi Nachman wants us to enter into the doorway of Sicha Saranun Aleph and then sort of process step by step as we will with the help of the master of the world all of the nuggets of truth that is sometimes very almost difficult to hear because it's so ms that sometimes it's like ms me die i don't know if we're all ready for that but through this perspective to realize that deep 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 inside we know that we're being drawn by the of then in that mindset we can listen very carefully to what the Rebbe is saying. So that's the first line. Let's take a look at Reb Nassim and Likut HaLachas. This is Hilcha Shabbos, Vav Gimel. Reb Nachman says like this, Reb Nassim rather, which is all Reb Nachman, like Reb Nassim himself said over and over again in his letters. He says, every word that I'm writing here is not my words, it's all the words of the Rebbe. It's all the words of the Rebbe. Speak about a person who was v'nafshi ka'afra la'koltiyeh, who was a bucky and nikla and nister when it came to a Rebbe who was only eight years older than him and forgot everything that he learned and opened his heart to hear one drop of seichel and he said, I have one drop of intellect. And he heard another word from the Rebbe, I have a second drop of intellect. This is what it meant. This is what it meant. To be able to channel the Koach HaMoshe. To be able to channel a charisma that doesn't come from the person's own delusion of grandeur, but that comes from a person who's to the true source of charisma, to the true source of self, to the true source of personal gravitation. And that gravitational pull of personality with a capital P, which is, which is, which is that of the master of the world. And so Rabbi Nassim says like this. Ve'a'inyin, says Rabbi Nassim, again, we have to prepare ourselves, a lot of very, very emistical words that require an open mind and an open heart. Says Rabbi Nassim, The reason why people are so distant from true chachamim, from the truly wise people, who are reminding us all the time, not only in teaching the actual dinim of the Torah, which we absolutely need to learn and dive into to the best of our ability every single day, to know what to do, how to do. But those tzaddikim that were whispering into our ear, don't forget about Hashem, don't forget about Hashem. Hashem is real. This world is fake. This world is an illusion. You're on a mission. Remember why you came. Those chachamim amitim, who seem to be saying one essential thing, but that one essential thing can be said in about two billion ways. And a person can spend every single waking hour of every single day of their lives learning just those farim. 
and it still won't be enough of a reminder, right? Because we need to remember these things all the time because the kach of the world is so convincing, so incredibly convincing that we need all the time as much of the kach talk as we can get, which is what we try to do humbly every week together in our learning of Sikha Saran. There's no big lamdish uh, chakiris that we're learning here. We're just trying to remind ourselves once a week of what we're actually doing here. Says Rav Nassim, the reason for this, hurak machmas chachmas olamazeh, it's because instead of spending time developing an awareness of the interiority of this world, which we know to be Olam Haba itself, very deeply it's brought in Sunlight of Redemption, that the Gemara tells us, Rabbi Nachman brings us in Torah Kof Aleph, based on the Pasuk, Ki Hashem Sur Olamim, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu fashioned the worlds Bekah, with the letters Yud and He say Chazal, the letter Yud was used to fashion Olam Abba, and the letter He was used to fashion Olam Azeh. And without getting into the depth of it, in Sunlight of Redemption, we suggest that perhaps the letter He is not something different than the letter Yud of Olam Haba, but that essentially Olam Hazeh was really created with the letter Dalit. That the Olam Hazeh, the physical corporeality of this worldliness, is the letter Dalit. That can be read delace, like the words of the Zara Kaddish, delace la megar meklum, malchus, the physical re- receptivity of our world, which we described as being captured in the last hey, yud ke vav ke, the channels, the letters yud ke vav, which is esh ruach mayim, and then the final hey is afar. So the pure afar of this world is delace la megar meklum, is the letter dalit. It is nothing of its own. It splits into the dalit malchuyas to sitra achra. It splits into the dalit galuyas. It splits into all four negative categories. I, but it's a hey. So the letter hey has a dalid and then a, letter, a little letter yud inside. And we suggest there that this, that Olam Hazeh was created with a hey, means to say that if we look past the facade of the dalid, we can find the yud of Olam Haba in this world. And so it's not that the world to come was created with the letter yud, and the world, and this world was created with the letter hey. No, the world to come was created with the letter Yud. And we may find that very Yud concealed under the facade of the Dalid that is Olam Hazeh, pure Olam Hazeh. And there are many, many Ramazan to this. It seems that Yitzchak gives Yaakov Avinu and Esau Varasha, it seems that he gives them almost the same bracha. It seems that they both are blessed with physical plenty in some way. Mitala Shemaim and Mishmania Arts. And then Esau also gets a very similar blessing. And all the tzaddikim say that Esav got Olam Hazeh. Yaakov got the Olam Haba within Olam Hazeh. That's what Yaakov got. And that's why the very name Yaakov is the letter Yud, which we said is Olam Haba, which really the sphere of Chachma, intellect, like we speak about in Sunlight of Redemption, and the word Ekev, which hints to the lowest corporeal numb part of the human being. The ability to find the Yud in the Ekev, the Olam Haba behind the facade of Olam Hazeh, that's what Yaakov Avinu is blessed with. And so Rav Nassim says, they forsake that kind of study and they bind themselves with the Chachma that's purely related to this world alone. Shem Chachma shall Hevel, which are ultimately Chachmas of Hevel. They really don't matter that much, do they? 
Each and every person thinks that they're very wise and that they know all the ways that this world works and the political systems and the financial systems and this and that and this understanding and that understanding, which again, seen through the perspective of a Yaakov Avinu person, can be elevated. But to be a pure expert in Chachmas Olamazeh without any kind of perspective that enables us to contextualize that information, it's klum. Says Ramanasan, a person who has one drop of a little bit of seichel, a little bit of true brain power in his skull. In again, in comparison. That's why we have to go back to the first line. Because this could sound very extreme unless it's within the setting of these two elements of Koach HaMoshech and Koach HaMachriach. Ha'olam hazeh enoi klum. Rak limshech. Where are we truly being drawn naturally? Elatach l'shanitzchi. And so Rabbi Nachman says, and Rabbi Nassim says, against that backdrop, and upon that canvas, this worldly chachmas, in and of themselves, shtusim hebel v'havolim. Because it's unnatural. This whole world is unnatural. This is not the way the things are going to be. Why the investment then? Why the obsessive investment of society and each of us as individuals into bettering, and we're going to learn in the second piece, even far beyond the boundary and the point to which we're actually bettering and we turn a corner and we start making life much worse based on all the technological advancements and the capacities that we uncover, not that we created, but that exist in a state of potential in this world, what's the point? Hevel havolin. It's all going to fade away anyway. Why the investment? And from that perspective, they're not even considered chachmas. Again, in comparison to the Moshech, the eternal wisdom of our Torah. A person could be a very, very great biologist. A person could be a very great mathematician, historian. We spoke last week, Thursday, in our Parsha Shir about the distinction between all other wisdoms of the world and our Torah, Kedosha. A person can be brilliant. And a person can completely miss the boat of what we're doing in Olam Hazet. Completely and entirely, not despite his Chachma, but because of it. Truth has nothing to do with smarts. Nothing. On the contrary, it has to do with what many smart people find very challenging, which is tmimus and pshitas, which is openness and munas chachamim bitl. That's what truth has to do with. You can be a brilliant person. You can be a very well-read and very educated person, and you can be missing the boat on life, tragically. On the flip side, you could be an illiterate person who can't read. Wasn't this the Chiddush of the Baal Shem Tov? You could be a simple wood chopper and, and water carrier sitting in the back of shul who could do nothing other than hold the Tehillim upside down and mispronounce every word. And you could be living a life of MS, a life of grandeur and noble glory that the big, sophisticated, brilliant person can't even begin to fathom. This is the story, of course, of the Chacham and the Tam, which I can't encourage you to read more or enough. The Chacham and the Tam, the simpleton and the sophisticate.
We quote it in chapter 20, I believe 20 of the story of our lives, right toward the end. We quote a piece from there. This is the secret. Because they can be brilliant, but all of their chachma does nothing to help them live life the way that ultimately we are supposed to be ideally living. Shehua Iker. To be drawn toward that tachlis. On the contrary, they find ways of enhancing the koach hamachriach as if that's actually what we want. Because they get fooled. And because they look in the moment and they don't look to the root of what's natural and what's unnatural and so they spend all of their lifetimes enhancing this koach hamachriach, this force that's oppositional and that's unnatural because they take it to actually represent the koach hamoshech because that's how powerful it looks and it does look powerful. But we are not fooled because one drop of seichel of the Torah one drop of intellect, of clarity into what life really is. This nitzchi, unchanging, unflinching, sometimes unremarkable, because it's just an ekudas ha'emes, it's looked the same for thousands of years, chadash asr menatayra. It's the same things. Yerushamayim, selam aleikim, healthy family, shalom bayis, chinuch, been the same for thousands of years and the winds of the world blow in all sorts of ways and the wolf is huffing and puffing and blowing them all down and this little house is standing unchanging the same tefillin and the same shabbos candles and the same gemara baba baba basra baba mitzia baba kama and the same tefillah and the same tehillim and the same dveikus and the same yearning and simcha one drop of that one drop of koach hamoshech can stand up against 2,000 koach hamachriach if we have the eyes to be able to really see the noilad. What's the noilad? To be true chachamim. Kamoisha kasev hina b'dvar Hashem ma'asu malahem. Referring to these chachmas, they've become disgusted with the word of God. The chachmas malahem. And these true wisdoms are what to them? Or that, right, that they engage in wisdoms that are ma, that are not wisdoms at all. Right, all these different sukkim that speak about wisdom that is not wisdom. That's the opposite of true wisdom. The true wisdom in the world is the wisdom that we're engaged in learning right now. Wisdom, that's the result, not of a person that's completely and entirely subsumed within a koach hamachriach that they misinterpret to think is the koach hamoshech, but a person who made himself completely nullified his own will, meaning to say the will of the body, meaning to say extricated his or herself from that force that compels them away from the gravitational field of Kedusha and live their lives as a channel allowing the true Koach HaMoshech to work through them and draw the rest of the world to them and then through them to the Bayre Olam, to the Creator of all, to our Father in Heaven, the Master of the world who chose us to bring this message to the world. That's true Chachma. That these tzaddikim became true chachamim. And they spent every single moment of every single day, not for, for one moment, allowing themselves to become fooled or distracted by this world. Didn't fool them. 
did not fool them. Like Rabbi Lady Yitzhak Bredichever said, God and I are playing a game of hide and go seek. And I find him everywhere. This way of the tzaddikim not to allow any perception of concealment to prevent them from finding Hashem. On the contrary, they saw the concealment as the revelation. They saw HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hiding place as a, as, a, as a magnifying glass that enabled them to find Him and look at Him and see Him and embrace Him ever more deeply than they could have without that perception of concealment. And they constantly planted and they planted and they planted with the awareness that nothing grows in this world. Nothing grows in this world. We plant and the sprouting is on the other side. We don't plant and it comes back out of the same earth. We plant and in Olam Haba something flourishes. And the tzaddikim spent their lives planting and they planted within themselves and they planted in other people. And they planted dreams and they planted visions and they planted hope. Let's say the Ladarka Ma'arich for this long journey out Shazachal is a Bashlamus until they actualize that state of completion. Kiza Ikra Chachma Be'emes. This is the true Chachma, says Reb Nasan. Bebechinas Ezehu Chacham. Who is the true Chacham? Haroya Es Hanoilad. Now, the context of Torah Ayin that we started learning now, this little piece, and in the context of the first line in Sichon and Aleph, what is the Noilad? The Noilod allows us to become very clear on what was the natural force and what was the unnatural force. That's the true Chachma. To be mevatal ourselves to the tzaddikim that we're communicating to us every day, not allowing us to forget for a moment what's true and what's mirage. What's natural, what's unnatural. What we want and what we don't want. Who are we? And what it is that we deeply, naturally desire. Not to see how things look right now in this moment, the gratification of simple choices that seem to affect nobody but ourselves in the present moment. Look beyond that. And the general trajectory of our lives, because it's never the one hamburger that kills you. It's never the one hamburger that makes you obese. But a person that continuously eats and eats and eats and eats and eats without a mind and without an eye as to what's going to be they're going to end up with tremendous health issues. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu put that into nature. It's a tremendous chachma because the same applies spiritually. It's not the single misstep that, that, that destroys us. It's not that. But just like the klipa version, right, the, the negative contrast of Rabbi Akiva's holy rock, where one drop after another drop, after another drop, after another drop, and that makes a hole through the rock. It goes the same way. How do you think that rock got there in the first place? One grain of sand, then another grain of sand, then another grain of sand, and then this little dust, and then this amount of dirt, and before you know it, you have a rock. It's going to require a great deal of water to make a hole. Haroya es to see the noilad, what's going to become 
of all of these choices. That's the true Chachma. Look toward the end. What's going to sprout from this? What I'm involved in and what I'm spending my time learning. So how should we spend our time? We should all live long and happy till 120. We only have 24 hours in the day. How are we spending our time? If given the choice, and we can choose which kind of chachma to immerse ourselves in. What's the question? What is the question? We can choose to entertain the koyach hamachriach and further fortify an illusion that this world is where it's at and that this world is the koyach hamoshech and that this is what we truly want to be caught up in and engaged with. Or we can let go and enable ourselves all the time to be drawn further and further, closer and closer. Nimshach, says Rabbi Nachman. Limshoch el atachlis hanitzchi. What's the question? Spend a lot of time every day learning these kinds of limudim. Without the canvas, you can't have a painting. And we spend so much time on all the inks and mixing them together, but we never, we never laid out a canvas. And so we're painting on, on somebody's rug, you know, that they're going to have to throw out because it's not going to be clear that this was a work of art. We need to prepare for ourselves the canvas. And the canvas is the why. The canvas is the princess. The canvas is the premise. The canvas is reminding ourselves every moment. What's the context within which I'm trying to portray this unique, content of a life of Avodah Hashem. What's the bigger picture? And there are Sfarim that are specifically associated with communicating this. Chasidus Bechlal, Breslov, in my experience, Befrat. This word perhaps sums up all of Breslov, Tachlis. In Breslov, everything is Tachlis with no stops along the way. Rabbi Nachman said, I don't get involved in Nuschois. I don't get involved in Minhagim. I don't get involved in different things. None of, there's no talk in Breslov of any of those things. Just how can I best find the Kaddish Baruch in every single moment? It's simple, seems simplistic. We don't have, you know, huge books with Breslov doctrine and how you should dress and how you should do this and how you should do, it's none of that. It's just be a Yid. Rabbi Nachman consolidated his whole path into three words. What should a Jew do in this world, said the Rebbe. Sounds unremarkable, but he didn't care about remarkability. Davenin, learning, and davenin. Davin, learn, and daven. Simple as it is. Do everything with, with, with a smile on your face. Do everything with an open heart. Do everything with yearning. Do everything with simplicity, with tnimus, without big hakiris and, and a big, big, you know, mind. Simple, everything simple. Learn all of that stuff. But then when it comes time to Davin, said Rabbi Nachman to his Talmidim, who he himself directed to learn the Kabbalistic intentions of Tefillah, when you Davin, cast all of that aside and speak to Hashem like a child that speaks to their father. This is what our generation needs. It needs a healthy dose of youth again. Simplicity again. Wonder Alekim asa asa adam yashar, like we always say. That yashrus, and then behema bikshu chashbonis rabim. But the yashrus that's drawing us as the koyach hamoishich and the chashbonis rabim is all a koyach hamachriach until the point that the princess begins to journey home. Until the point that the princess turns around along the journey, but derech siparti maisa. The Rebbe Nachman told his, journey, his story along a journey, and the princess turns around and starts 
not distorting herself into a pretzel to look like something that she's really not for Hashem, but to walk back into that clean, straight pathway of yashras, of tnimus, of pshitas, of tzitkas, of koach hamoshech, of an open heart and a lave basar, heart of flesh, a feeling heart, a youthful heart. Lahaskil al drach of this yashiv hetev, ma'yi yenoyla mimaisa va'asaka b'soifa achrin. What's going to be in the end? This world is a joke, chevra. It's a mirage. It's a whole mirage. And we get caught up in it, and it doesn't mean that it's easy. It's not easy. It's hard. It's very challenging to live with this consciousness. And that's why we constantly need eskashra sitzadikim and learning from them and reminding ourselves and, 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 and you know, building traditions in our own lives to fortify this awareness. It's not easy. If it were easy, it would all be malachim. It's not, it's not supposed to be easy. But in a moment of clarity, this world is a joke. It's nothing. It's ain't a klum. How much time do we spend getting caught up on stupidity? It's just stupidity. Things that don't matter. Things that just don't matter. They don't even matter in the smaller scheme of things, if it's a week, if it's a month, if it's a year. But in the consciousness of harayas hanoyulad, it doesn't matter. And we can avoid so much fear and stress and anxiety and pain. I just, I, I, I don't live here. I'm just staying here for a couple of days. I don't really care that there's a leak because that's not on me to fix. That's not on me. And I'm not going to drown from that leak. I'm going to go back home after a couple of days. The world is broken and we daven for the world. But I don't allow myself to become so entirely extra, uh, I, not extricated, the opposite, completely drawn into the, real, the seeming realities of this world so that I feel hopeless that I can't move as if this was my true reality. It's not. It's not. There's work for us to do and as much as we can, but don't get caught up on the seeming progress or lack thereof. Keep on moving. Keep on moving. It's not even an active process. On the contrary, what we need to do, like we speak about in the, in the Lost Princess course and the Principles course, the Pasigatilim says, Harfu udu'u. Desist. Simply desist. Meaning to say, stop engaging in activities of Korachamachriach udu'u. And you'll naturally know that Akadosh Baruch Hu is our God and that this world has meaning. And that the Torah is emes, and that the tzaddikim were emes. All we need to do is actually stop trying to be that which we're not. Not continue pretending to be some sort of spiritual robots that are making sure that all the checklists are go so that we can earn olam haba. To stop faking and to allow ourselves to truly, naturally be. Yiddishkeit should be natural. Find that element and that lane in Yiddishkeit that is natural, that's allowing and encouraging our natural creative expression aligned with the collective goal so that each and every one of us with our uniqueness can represent uniquely colored mosaic bricks that come together as one to form this tremendous vision of a Malchus to Gedusha, of a world that's not only not concealing Hashem, but that is actively communicating His presence. Let go and allow yourself to naturally 
be caught up in the flow that flows that everything flows back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Everything flows back. Yam is Bina, 50 gates of Bina. Mem is 40, Yud is 10. And Bina is the mother. Bina is the womb. Bina is the place where we come from. Kol HaNechalim. All of those disparate alleyways, those disparate irrigation ditches that we had to dig because we thought that we needed to plant in this world and grow in this world. And Azayim Bedima in a negative sense, in a way of hopelessness, because we don't see that things are sprouting. The realm of Fahim of Bikshu Cheshboinus Rabim, Kol Anechalim, Holchim Elayam. Naturally, they flow back to the sea. To that sea of the womb, to that sea of comfort, to that sea of simplicity, to that sea of sweetness. Niyashras. Harfu Udu'u. Ha'olam Klum. We need to make sure, and this is how, again, Rabbi Nachman begins Sichon and Aleph, which is like, it's just concentrated breast of MS, just concentrated in such a way. It's, it's, we're going to see, Bezer Hashem, piece by piece, piece by piece over the next couple of weeks. But it begins with this understanding, that is unnatural, and it looks super powerful now, but it will not endure and we're in this world to maintain this awareness, this consciousness. Have our bags packed. And that all of our experiences in this world is an exercise in packing those bags, in planting with tears, but tears of incredible, incredible fortitude. And Berini Iksairu, because when we plant in this world, Berini Iksairu, in another place things are sprouting on the other side. To hold on to the das of the tzaddik. To connect consistently with these teachings on a consistent basis. Once a week is nice if we can implement every day, every day. There's so much online. There's so much translated. And we need these reminders, Chavr. We need these reminders. It's not about what's more important, what less, and what's, what's, what's less, you know, in terms of, you know, if I, if I had an hour, should I spend the whole hour learning Gemara with Rishonim and Acharonim, or should I spend learning Hasidus? Uh, these are Tanoim and Amiram. It, it's not an Indian like that. Because without this, we have nothing. With all of our learning and Shas and Boiskim, without this foundation, it's, it's, it's not. It's not what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted. It's still good, maybe. Depends on who you ask. Different Sadiqim had different kinds of things to say about that kind of learning. But Al-Kopanim, it's not the L'Chathchila ideal that HaKadosh Baruch Hu envisioned when He brought us into the world, when He created the world. Bishvil Yisrael Shinnikoreshes, Bishvil Atoyrash Shinnikoreshes, we need to spend a great deal of time every day engaged in this kind of study if we have any hope of making it. And we need to remind ourselves all the time, constantly ask yourself, is this koach moshech or is this koach ha-machriach? Don't be fooled. The Rebbe won't allow us to be fooled if we'll open our hearts to his guidance and his teachings as we are. What a privilege. We should be zeichet to live it. Shamamash be zeichet to live it all the way, together as a chabura, and to shine that light to all of Am Yisrael who are desperate for a little glimmer of pshitas, a little glimmer of, of, of bittel, a little glimmer of, of anivos. So we did not get to learn the very gargantuan piece from Lukud Elach's prayer I didn't even want to start it because it, it's one thing. So we'll start with this, maybe even end with this because it's very long. But Be'ez HaShem will do this piece next time also in the same vein. 
And then we'll continue on the journey of Sichas Haran Nun Aleph with the help of the Master of the World and the Siyat Rishmaya. So, Chavar, thank you so, so much for joining. It's heavy, it's heavy, but we need this. We need this. It's a big chizuk. It's a big, big chizuk. It's clarity. It's a reminder. And that's what the Rebbe is. So, that we as a Chabura are able to connect to this kind of light. So, Mamish, thank you, Chavar, for joining. And I hope to see you Thursday. Ashrenu, Mamish, thank you so, so much, Chever. Have a wonderful, wonderful so day. Thank you so much. Ashrenu, Mamish. Thank you, Chever.